Welcome to History 21, the podcast, a production of the Anoka County Historical Society, sharing the stories and audio journeys from our county's past and present. Morning, Sarah. Hello, Rebecca. How is life in Denort today? Oh my goodness, I'm so cold. <laughs> you know, it's funny you say that. I was so cold last night that I had a hot water bottle on my feet and three blankets as I was sitting watching my football. This is where you have electric blankets or electric mattress pads. So helpful. True. My birthday's in May. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> well, then you won't need it. God, I hope not. <laughs> I had to do some tire maintenance this morning and trying to get those little screw heads off your tire. Like, you know what I'm talking about. That's pump them up full of air your fingers get so cold I, you know this is this is where a heated garage would really come in handy <laughs> any minute now one of us is gonna pull out back in my day we used to walk to school mile hey, speaking of that isn't isn't that sort of what this podcast is about i may have been thinking that that would be the perfect transition <laughs> Yes, uh, this episode is all about the memories of growing up, specifically for Myra Blumenthal Shapiro in Columbia Heights. Yay to the South. She grew up in Columbia Heights in like the 30s, 40s, and sat down in 2010 to create what she called a documentary. Oh, I love that phrase. Yeah, she just recall different things from her childhood and her parents and what Columbia Heights looked like at that time uh, being a one stoplight town. Well, how about we get into the memories and we'll chat on the other side. Will do. Hello, I'm Myra Blumenthal Shapiro. And you're going to be watching a segment of a larger documentary that I have made for my family on the occasion of my 80th birthday. And this is my memories and only my memories. It may be your memories too, but if you find a mistake, you just put it up to the fact that she didn't remember correctly. But this is the heights in the eyes or through the eyes of Myra Blumenthal. I have lived in not tremendous number of places, but I have lived in Lansing, Michigan, East Lansing, Michigan, uh, in uh, Naples, Florida and in Columbia Heights, Minnesota. Columbia Heights, I don't know if they're the top, but they sure are the top. They're equal to being up at the top because the Heights was a wonderful community for me to grow up in. Mom and Dad, as I said, got together in Columbia Heights, Minnesota, a suburb of Minneapolis, a city unto itself with a mayor and everything else. It's not part of Minneapolis. My folks were brought together by, by the community. 
they married, we were the only Jews in Columbia Heights up until now there are other Jews there. But for a long time, all the way through, as far as I had anything to do with the Heights, I still do because I go back. The, um, the Columbia Heights is a, let's say was, a very small town, I think 8,000 people, with a, uh, if anyone knows Garrison Keillor, I love Garrison Keillor because Garrison Keillor is talking about Columbia Heights. The, the city with one stop, stop light where everyone goes around the stoplight because you don't want to go through that stoplight. You go on the side streets to ignore that stoplight. You don't want to stop there. But the stoplight was on the corner of Central and 40th Avenue. And on the corner of Central and 40th Avenue was Danielson Drug. And above Danielson Drug was my father's medical office. And that's where he started. Miss Danielson, and she had to be called Miss Danielson, was the, uh, the owner of the drugstore. There was one in the Heights, and then also uh, there was a Danielson drug down at the Medical Arts in Minneapolis. But um, she would come to the Heights every so often, but again, it's Miss Danielson. Dad was the only Jewish doctor on staff at St. Andrew's Hospital in Minneapolis. Mom worked with him in the office, and I would go and visit Dad at the office. I could walk, I mean, we walked all over the place, uh, walked up, it was quite a few blocks, and it was a special treat. I'd go visit him at the office, and then we'd go down and we'd have a cherry Coke. That was really good stuff. Uh, people at the drugstore knew everyone, uh, Wally, and I mean, I still, you know, the, the pharmacists were there. You'd walk up the steps to Dad's office, no elevators. That was downtown Columbia Heights. Further down, there was a, um, a dry goods store and a, uh, a, a, an electric store. And then on the other side, they had, I think, oh, they did have a, um, huh, they had a, <laughs> they had a, uh, I forget, oh, I forget the name of it, but it was like a, an Ace Hardware type of thing. It wasn't Ace Hardware, though. And then a grocery store going down, but it was like two blocks, maybe three blocks. That was downtown Columbia Heights, all pretty much on one side of the street. And then the other side was a gas station and a store. Uh, these, and then the rest of Columbia Heights, going from Central Avenue, the other side was, was um, University Avenue. On University Avenue at the far end of Columbia Heights, which wasn't that far, there was Oakwood School, where I went to grade school, where my mother taught kindergarten and where I met most of my friends. It was a school that took in Fridley also, so some of my friends were, were from uh, kids whose parents were farmers, 
uh, it uh, was sort of a, a mixed mixed community as far as because of the the Fridley uh, we had uh, Columbia Heights was more working people. Oakwood School was there. Now I think it's a Baptist church or some home for Baptist, but the the Oakwood School, the building I think is still there. Uh, coming up from the Heights, there was a grocery store. 40th Avenue was the big thing. Uh, that's where my house was. The original house was differently. That was pretty much Columbia Heights, except a very, very tiny one-room library where Aunt Bob, the Warrens were next to us, the people with the apple trees, they were next to us, and Aunt Bob, who the family was a huge family, so Aunt Bob was one of the older ones and the other kids were, were my age, that she was the librarian there. Now they have a new library and uh, that uh, is probably much, much bigger than the old library, still a small, small library. Uh, there was the fire station there, so every t night at nine o'clock you heard a you knew it was nine o'clock and all kids had to be in. The bell was replaced by the siren and that park used to have bands come in and uh, they had uh, activities going on there. The Heights, uh, up on the hill from the Heights was the Tima family. And I'm mentioning Joan because her father uh, and mother, the father uh, had the Columbia Heights, oh gosh, Joan. Anyway, the newspaper, which I will show. I do have a newspaper, I think. Um, they, and everything was in, it was kind of a paper that had every little article, you know, Myra was in a dance recital, so-and-so had dinner with so-and-so, it was a strictly small town newspaper. Joan would lived up on the hill, and we had a big dog, Bingo, and Joan would come to my house, Bingo would bring all the bones in the area to our yard, and then Joan hated dogs. She hated dogs. Really good friend of mine. She hated the dogs, so she I would give her a five-minute start to run up across the park, run up the hill to her house so that Bingo wouldn't catch her. But every time, maybe I gave her ten minutes. My father was very well thought of in the community, as was my mother. Uh, he was everyone's doctor. There was another doctor in the community, Dr. Good, but Dr. Blumenthal, I think, was, maybe Dr. Good came a little bit after. Uh, Dad did everything. He, he was a general practitioner until he then went back and got his internal medicine degree from the University of Minnesota, or did the extra work, the residency, and was certified as an internist and then went into allergy because Mal had allergy problems and Dad, there was no one doing it, so Dad would do it. In the Heights, Dad was the um, medical officer. He would go around and uh, visit anyone who had measles, mumps. This was before, no, oh, that was way before uh, polio, but it was measles, mumps, whooping cough, 
that type of thing that they were quarantined. We, it was a different day and age where now kids have so much to do and they're doing. We used to go in the car, at least I went in the car with dad. You know, he'd come home from school and if he had something to do, I'd drive around in the car. The Heights was a town that was set in a farming community. So that there were farms all around. There were homes that were in basements. This was during Depression times, just getting, you know, back, because I was born in 1930. So it was just getting out of Depression times. And so in the Heights, there were working people. So many of the homes were down in basements, you'd walk down, it was just covered, you know, you, I can remember a couple of them, with kerosene lamps. I still don't like the smell of kerosene, because the kerosene lamp, they were, I, that, to me that means poverty, that means really poor, because we'd go in them. And Dad, we'd go on the rounds, and he'd make house calls. He'd make house calls, and also a lot of it was putting up the quarantine signs that would keep you in if you had measles or mumps or whatever it was. Those days I really, I cherish and those are, you get little things that, not it's a continuous, but you have this memory, it's almost in a, in a scrapbook where there it is, that you, that's what you did. And I think it made a real impression on me that there were people who lived, and here we lived so well, and there were people who lived, and they were just as nice, and as far as dad, he always treated everyone the same. He never made fun of mom or dad, never made fun of anyone. And in the Heights and elsewhere, we were told, we never, we took trips, we took all sorts of stuff, but we never really talked about it too much. Uh, as I became an adult, it was almost amazing that I would talk about some of these things that I was doing because as I grew up, we just didn't do that. We were, we tried to be part of, of the group and uh, it's hard to explain, but it's, it's just a mentality there that you, you uh, don't flaunt what, what other people don't have because just, you know, you could be there in the same position yourself. Uh, we, uh, but some of the happiest days were going out in the Heights. And, and then, of course, uh, people would be giving us cookies. They'd be giving us fish. They'd give us things. The Heights was a wonderful community for me to grow up in. I don't know how Mal would feel about it because he didn't have the support of a gang. It was my gang. You know, I had people I was with. I still am friendly with the people who I was with in Columbia Heights. Um, it was a, uh, it was just a fun place to live and it was fun because everyone knew everyone. Uh, Dad and Mom didn't have to really pay too much attention to me because the neighbors would report 
where I was. If I came home on a date, Myra came home on the streetcar at such and such a time. There was, the streetcar went down, we started in on the, which I think I mentioned, on the home, the small home on 5th Street, and then we moved to another larger home on the corner of Washington and 40th, across from the field house that was built under WPA, just to bring a little history into it. My mother, a teacher when she started, from the time I was a little kid until the time I graduated, and she gave me my diploma. After teaching, Mom was president of the school board for some 15 years. I went back maybe a few years ago and knocked at the door of our house, of our both, the, the small house and then the bigger house. It's not that big, but to me it was gigantic. And I, the other one was a, they didn't know. This house I went into and I talked to the mother, not the grandmother was there, and the little kid, probably an eight, nine-year-old kid. This is how many years later? This was my father's house. It was called the doctor's house. To this day, it is the doctor's house. I mean, my gosh, it's like, President Roosevelt's house or whatever. This is the doctor's house. They asked me where this tunnel was to go because the office was, the house is here, the office was there. Where's the tunnel? So I said, there was no tunnel. It was all about my dad. Where did he die? So I said, in that room. You know, it wasn't a bedroom. I mean, and that's where he did die. He died at home. He had a massive coronary, just but it was just so nice to know this was two generations later that they called this the doctor's house and the little kid was asking about the doctor. And that was, dad was the doctor, he was doc. He wasn't anybody else but doc. So it's kind of nice that, that people remember, you always want to be remembered and dad would, He'd say to me, you know, when I'm gone, and I think he probably knew he was going to go, he says, know that I'm up there, you know, say hello. And it's nice to know that, that people do, do remember and, and understand. And, uh, and Mom, too, when you go back, I go back to my graduations, and they plan it around the Jewish holidays because they know I come into Minneapolis for the high holidays. So I come to all the reunions, and at that time they're all, you know, oh, when we were over at your house and your mother made cookies and your mother did this, and it's just, just nice. It's a nice feeling, and uh, it was a good, good place to live. Maybe I should, to give an example, my gang, we got together one time at our 50th reunion, and we're all different socioeconomic groups, different people, you know, farmers and background. There were six of us, maybe seven. And all of us had either, we had all gone beyond high school, whether it was a college degree or a vocational degree. And we all were doing community work, all of us whether it was church work or whatever, it was 
we were doing, giving back to the community. And then we started in talking about why, why did this, why are we all so much the same? And we decided it was a small town, that it was Columbia Heights, because everyone cared about everyone else. Everyone was making cookies for everyone else. Everyone was taking care and watching the kids, making sure Myra got home from her date. And uh, so it's nice to live in a, in a community that cares. And I, I'm so happy that I, I grew up there and that mom and dad both went there. That was just amazing that they both went in there individually and they met each other in the Heights and that's where it is. Columbia Heights has changed over the years. Uh, I go back, but I go back uh, for my class reunions with my high school classmates, uh, which uh, we did it in the evening. Now they do it at noon because we are getting older and I guess we don't drive at night. Uh, also, one of my friends uh, one year, a couple years ago, said maybe we should have this not every year but every six months because we're dropping like flies. <laughs> so, but now the ones that are hanging on are really hanging in there. Um, we have our reunions at Jack's Cafe, which is not in Columbia Heights, but that has been through the many, many, many years. They have whitefish that is really good there. And that's where our reunions are, and I have the whitefish every time. That's, that's what I have at the reunions. Um, but that was into Minneapolis. The Heights was interesting when I think of what goes on here now. In the Heights, I used to walk from Central Avenue area, where the drugstore was, to my home, which was number blocks down. And in walking past there, you passed maybe three, four beer parlors. The odor from the beer parlor, I still can smell that odor from those beer parlors. But I was never afraid going by those beer parlors. I never thought, and my folks never thought, someone was going to jump out at me. And those beer parlors didn't start just at night. They were starting a little earlier in the day, too. But um, it was there, and I walked past there and never thought anything of it. And that was sort of part of the heights, that I felt safe wherever I went. Uh, the other friends in the Heights were the Alice Hartman, who is now I'm still friends with them. Joan, sad to say, died many years ago uh, when she was in, um, uh, she was in Columbia with, uh, with her, her husband. Uh, they were, were there, he was with World Bank and she died. But the rest of my gang is still around. Shirley, Alice, Maggie, and Vernon, I am still feel very close to. Alice lived out the farm. We would, uh, we would collect nuts. We'd go in the back of her father's truck and bounce around and uh, where he took us around to go swimming and 
collecting things and going on just all around the Fridley area. Shirley I'm still friends with. She tried to get me to eat Ludfisk, which I hate, but she made a valiant try. She told me her mother made really good Ludfisk. No, she didn't. It was not good stuff. I don't like it. And um, there are others in, the, in my class, uh, Vernon, who was probably one of my first, I wouldn't say a boyfriend, but he was a guy who was with me, who I played with. Uh, so the Heights is, it has a lot of memories. The big thing is the Columbia Heights Theater. Columbia Heights Theater is still there. Mal and I went out one day and we went to the Columbia Heights Theater. This was a theater where they gave away dishes. A lot of my mother's dishes were from the Columbia Heights Theater because they had this thing where you'd go, you'd see a movie, and then they'd give you a starter set of dishes, and then you went to another movie, and you got more dishes, and you, you got dishes. This was during the, um, probably during the 30s, where people really needed dishes, <laughs> and it was just coming out of Depression times. Uh, they had a, an organ there. They had... Um, at the, we had, they had talent shows there. They, it was, it was the only place in town outside the churches that where people would, would congregate. The theater is still there. It is the longest running open theater that is in, I think they say in the United States. It's still there. The little box office is still there that I thought was the big box office when I put my 11 cents to get my movie ticket for the matinee that scared the daylights out of me. I was up more nights with those scary Frankenstein things they used to show us it, there, but I survived. And uh, it really, it's there and it's, it's really a lot of fun. It's uh, part of the history of, of Columbia Heights. Read all about it in the Noka County Library Minute. Hello, Diana Nurberg here from the Anoka County Library System with some resources inspired by this episode. In this Library Minute, we'll look at books dealing with writing your own memoir. Let's get started. First, we have Having the Last Say, Capturing Your Legacy in One Small Story by Alan Gelb. In this book, the author encourages his contemporaries, that is, baby boomers, to have the last say. That is, he suggests that people should take it upon themselves to eulogize themselves in their middle age, at a time in one's life when there are hopefully many years to come, but enough years behind to have gained some wisdom, the author suggests writing out a short memoir to act as one's legacy. He offers writing tips and tricks to do just that. Next we have The Truth of Memoir, How to Write About Yourself and Others with Honesty, Emotion, and Integrity by Carrie Cohen. Writing a memoir may mean exposing some less than ideal details about one's experiences. This guide to the art of memoir teaches its readers how to balance telling hard truths candidly while also maintaining a level of grace and respect for those affected by these stories. Next, we have You Should Really Write a Book, How to Write, Sell, and Market Your Memoir by Regina Brooks. This guide focuses in on publishing. If you are interested in writing a memoir, not just for personal reasons, but for profitability, this book is essential. If the commercial value of your story is important to you, this book will show you how to get published, teaching you the ins and outs of the market. Next, we have The Story Cure, a book doctor's pain-free guide to finishing your novel or memoir by Dinty W. Moore. Here's a book to cure all your memoir writing ailments. 
From writer's block to flat plot, the author offers the antidote for your anecdotes. Finally, we have Heart on the Page, a portable writing workshop by Wendy Brown Baez. With an angle of spiritual and emotional self-help in the wake of trauma, this book on writing packs a therapeutic punch. The author tells of her own tragedies of losing both her husband and son to suicide and how writing helped her to deal with her pain. The author has taken the writing lessons she's learned and brings them to prisons, hospitals, schools, churches, libraries, and now on the printed page from which its readers can benefit. We hope you feel inspired to document the details of your own life and that these resources help you along the way. Until next time, happy learning. Get those library cards and reserve your copy today. Direct links to these books and more can be found in the episode show notes at anocacountyhistory.org. Oh, that's so much information. I love when people sit down and record what seems to be mundane, but when you look back at it, they're critical, critical elements of our lives. I almost wish she had talked about her childhood home's bathroom. Nobody talks about those bathrooms. Right? And it's interesting. Well, yes, it is. Because, you know, indoor plumbing wasn't always a thing. And, you know, even just growing up in England, like my mom had the gravity fed tanks, you know, where they're over your head. And nobody talks about things like that. You're right. The differences. Yeah. And... Columbia Heights has come such a long way from her memories of it being that one stoplight place. But yet everyone knows the doctor's house. True. Yeah. What a beautiful place to grow up. We're going to have the full video in the vault for our members there. So you can watch that. Uh, One thing that I would like to make sure people get is that it doesn't have to be fancy. You know, if you're taking down your family history, this is a a professional production. This has, you know, photos coming in and out and newspaper clippings. And, you know, she's sitting in front of a a lovely background and, you know, it's scripted. It doesn't have to be that, that perfect when you're taking down your own family notes. Sometimes just setting up your phone on the kitchen table is good enough because a little more of it here, but once that person's gone, it's such a gift. It is even just to hear their voice again. Mm-hmm. You know, how many times do you replay a, a voicemail that someone left just to hear their voice, right? And hearing the story in their own words, in their own voice. There's nothing like it. I'm wondering what folks out there would think if we put out like a question of the week or something like that to help you build your family story throughout the year. Is that something that y'all would be game to try? People submit just two minute videos, two minute audio file, and we create this collective journey of what does your bathroom look like? Always about the bathroom and how much toilet paper. Why am I focused? I don't know. Potty humor is universal. I'm thinking we have to wrap this up. Sarah's got a goal. <laughs> I went before we started. <laughs> okay, we're getting My- punchy. Thank you guys so much for listening. And uh, any last words, Rebecca? 
<laughs> probably always, but we will just edit those out. <laughs> have a great week, everyone. If you have a question, want to visit our show notes page for each episode, or would like to share your own story, go to anokacountyhistory.org. Help History 21, the podcast, reach more ears by subscribing and reviewing on your podcast provider. We're all over social media, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram for all those who scroll by. And for our Vault members, you can find special access to podcast extras as well as the latest digital resources at History 21, the Vault, located on our website. Remember, the present is the past of the future. <laughs>